This is the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast with Nick Cavins. Ah, yes, another episode of the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles. We're up to, let me see, number 31. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. We're also brought to you by betonline.ag. Before we get into this Dolphins game, Greg, let's start with the AFC East big picture. I know earlier this week we talked about offense, and you thought the Patriots were dead last when you looked at offensive weapons in the division. You have now looked at the defenses And from your note, I don't think you believe the Patriots are much better on that side of the football. Yeah, I mean, look, Nick, the big takeaway for me, and this is a surprise, and people just have to understand that, like, I don't, when I do these things, when I do my film review, when I do positional reviews, when I scout the division, like, I never go in with preconceived notions. I don't know where things are going to go. Like, the Patriots could come out great. They could come out crappy. I, I just don't know. And, uh, Obviously, with the offense, it was clear, um, partly because of quarterback and some other positions, the Patriots had fallen way behind the Bills, and the Bills were clearly the best team. I mean, look, you know, they have stuff on Diggs and Cole Beasley and, you know, all these guys. And um, so that was obvious. Defense is a little bit more, uh, it's tougher to tell, you know, so, but talking to NFL personnel, going over PFF ratings, going over my own sort of from film review from other games in the AFC East when the Patriots have played them and my scouting. So I came came out and the Patriots, but just to give people a frame of reference, so this, my, my pre-draft rankings, and this is pre-opt-out, so Dante Hightower was in there, Patrick Chung was in there. Uh, the Patriots came out with uh, 47 points. The next closest was the Bills at 39. Uh, the Jets were at tw- 30, and the Dolphins were at 25. Now, after going through it, uh, the Patriots have dropped um, a substantial amount, 47 to 35. The Bills have basically stayed the same. Uh, The Jets uh, have gotten a little bit better, um, especially in the front seven. They're pretty good against the run. And the Dolphins have taken a big leap. And so, uh, you know, right now the Bills are slightly ahead, but everybody's basically the lesson here, Nick, long story short, not to keep talking. Everybody else is caught up to the Patriots in terms of defense. So the advantage that they have enjoyed, they enjoyed in 2018, they enjoyed for much of 2019, that is gone, and therefore it exposes the the the, the offense and how, the downturn they've taken. And so that was sort of my big takeaway. And and I don't think it's as simple as just plugging Dante Hightower back in or Patrick Chung. I think. Uh, you know, you look at from Lawrence Guy to Devin McCourty to, you know, a bunch of Stephon Gilmore, you know, you're talking about those three guys could not be on the roster next year. So if this is where they're at right now, it could get worse. Yeah. Well, so I was going to ask you why, why we've seen the rest of the division creep up. Is that more because the division is getting better? The Patriots are getting worse, a mixture of both. And also, are we just looking at primarily the defensive line and, and linebacker core that's really bitten the Patriots in the ass? Because I still think their secondary is pretty good. Am I am I wrong in saying that? 
No, you're, you're mostly right. Um, so uh, to your first question, I think I think that the rest of the division's gotten better. I mean, I, I do think you know Brian Flores, what he's been able to do down in Miami, importing like a guy like Kyle Van Noy has really helped them. They've gotten you know they have Raquan Davis, the second rounder, who's done a nice job coming in. They've really done a nice job finding bit pieces like you know, say for example, moving Eric Rowe from cornerback to safety has really solidified them there. The Jets. You know, they have Quinnen Williams. He's really up them. Um, they, they have some other guys who really I didn't know very well, but I was surprised at, you know, on film and, and the, the rep that they have around the league. Like, um, I don't even know how to say the guy's name, Fatu Kazi and Franklin Myers, as far as interior defensive guys. Uh, they've done a really nice job. I think Marcus May has been a com- become an incredible yeah. safety. And, yep. you know, to your to your second question, yeah, I mean, the Patriots right now, I have them as the worst in the division at edge where Giant Simon is, but I have Chase Winovich as the best number two edge guy in the league. So, you know, if, if they can make a change there, they can get better there. I have uh, Byron Cowart as the worst uh, DT2 uh, in the league. I don't think that's that's not that's not really reflective on him. It's reflective on the other guys. Uh, I still think he's a good player. Um a, a, a surprise to me, Nick, and you'll probably push back on this because I was a little bit surprised when I came out, but I have Adam Butler as the worst interior sub rusher in, in the division. Now, I, I do want to clarify that. <laughs> what were you going to say? No, I was going to say interesting, like, because I was going to ask you because I, I since Butler's come back and he's played some snaps, I think he's played yes. pretty well. So I was going to ask you, you know, Cowart versus Butler, et cetera. So you've got him down dead last. Well, yes, and that's that's just I just have him as a sub rusher. That's really what he is, and and mostly, and, and look, you are absolutely correct. The last three games, he's played incredible, and if he played that way the whole season, he'd probably be at the top, and he's probably not that far away. We just don't have that much of a sample size with him. But really, you look at it overall, and you compare him to some of the other guys like Mario Addison in, in Buffalo, Franklin Myers with the Jets, who has a ton of. I think he has like almost fifty pressures this year. Shaq Lawson. Um, with the Dolphins as their sort of sub rusher, um, he has a ton of uh, pressures, and and Adam Butler only has twenty on the year, and probably most of those are in the last three games. So really, that's a knock on him. Jennings, Anthony, uh, excuse me, Jawan Bentley um, is the worst linebacker in the league, starting linebacker. I don't think that's a surprise. Um, and then people will argue with this, and I understand. It's a very close bunch, and it's very close to either you could be first in the division or you could be last. But right now, I have Devin McCourty last at free safety in the division behind Micah Hyde, behind Marcus May, and Bobby McCain. I mean, those are three really good players. I do think it's representative of a couple things, Nick. Number one, the lack of a pass rush from the Patriots has really sort of exposed uh, the secondary, especially uh, Devin at free safety. Not that he's a bad player, it's just you know, he, he slowed down. He's, he, he's lost a step a little bit and they haven't been able to really, he's played out of position. I think we've talked about this before where he's for much of the season, he was playing the Daron Harmon role of free safety. And that's not his strength. His strength is playing sort of the robber position, selective doubling on third down. And they just haven't been able to get there because of their personnel issues. I mean, if you do that with Devin, Who's at deep safety? They do not want to play Kyle Duggar at deep safety. That was clear from the Rams game when they could have made checks and they did not. 
Those checks would have put Kyle Duggar at free safety, would have put Devin McCourty in the box. They did not want to do that. And, you know, between like Terrence Brooks and, you know, Jawan Williams, it's very limited. So Devin's had to play for much of the season as the deep free safety, and that's not his game. And so it's been reflected on the field, but it's been a crowded, it's a very crowded group there, free safety. I mean, you know, two great games could put you at the top. So I, I don't want anybody to misconstrue this, that I think Devin McCourty is a bad football player and they need to move on from him. It's not that. It's just that's where they are. And, and it's sort of emblematic of where they are in the division right now, where they used to be on top not too long ago, a lot of these guys, and suddenly now they're near the bottom because the rest of the division is catching up. All right, so that's the diagnosis, right, that on both sides of the ball they need to improve, that they're behind – uh, every team in the division, I, I guess my question to you is, what's the prognosis? Like, is there a treatment for this? Are they far away if they go into the offseason with the money that they have in the draft picks? And let's say Hightower opts back in. I don't know if Chung's going to return. Uh, you know, we heard that Cannon is unlikely to return. And even some people have said Hightower might not return. But let's say Hightower returns. Uh, how far away are they defensively, Greg, to, to try to figure this thing out? Are they two, three pieces, two or three upgrades away from being right back in the mix? Or do you look at this and say, man, this is going to be a, a vast overhaul over the next two, three years? Yeah, it's, it's a great question and, and one I've been pondering. I mean, I think big picture wise, I think what I'd like to see this team do is use free agency to improve offense because, you know, whether it's trade for a quarterback free agency for a wide receiver or two and a tight end, because I think you need to get better quicker over there. Yeah. And I would like to use free agency and most of my money over there. I think I'd like to use the draft for the defense and, you know, maybe hope you're hoping that with the salary cap situation, that some effective, like say some effective uh, players around the league get cut loose, like say, Sort of like one of my dreams is like Olivier Vernon to be too expensive for the Browns in the offseason. And he comes yeah. here. He would be just a perfect edge Patriot. And he's a good rusher. He does everything. He'd basically be a better Kyle Van Noy. And so if they can find a, guy, a couple guys like that, but the, Nick, here's the problem and why I have a tough time saying, okay, well, it's definitely going to be better. You know, they, they have a ton of free agents. I mean, let's put John Simon aside because that's run its course. I mean, can we move on, please? Like, <laughs> if you can't find another a better guy to play on the first two downs, what are we doing here? Um, but Lawrence Guy is going to be a free agent. Adam Butler is going to be a free agent. Stephon Gilmore, something's going to happen to him. He's not playing for $7 million next year, and I doubt that the Patriots play him, uh, pay him. Um, you know, J.C. Jackson is an RFA. You have to be on the lookout. And I wrote about this a couple of weeks ago. You have to be on the lookout. Uh, I talked to an NFL personal executive who said that he thinks that with the cap restrictions, that RFAs might be more in play this offseason because, Interesting. you know, if you can find – yeah, I mean, it will, I don't think it will affect the Patriots, so I think they'll be fine with Jones. But the thinking is find a team that's really struggling with the cap and all of a sudden you slip in an offer that you know – they can't match because of their cap situation and you can suddenly steal a young starter. And so yeah. that's sort of the thinking. I don't think that the Patriots will match anything with Jackson, but you got to look out who knows, maybe some team, you know, I'm, I, I don't have it offhand right now, but maybe some team, I don't know if Miami, I doubt Buffalo, but Miami or the Jets have a ton, Jets have a ton of cap space, but if you're the Jets, like, do you come say hunting for JC Jackson to weaken the Patriots and, and yeah. that sort of thing, yeah. make him, 
a huge offer. And so, you know, Adrian Phillips, I think will be a good player here. What do you do with Devin? You know, when he's a free agent, Phillips is signed for another year. Duggar, I think is going to be good. So long story short, I think that um, you're hoping for some mid-level free agents on defense to fill the gaps draft. I don't think they're all that far away, Nick, because I don't think anybody in the division is really that far ahead of them in terms of defense. So, right. you know, it's going to be, you know, as we've said before, it's going to be a humongous offseason for this operation. And, you know, we're it's going to be interesting to see how Bill sort of divides up the assets and how he attacks these holes on the roster. Yeah, and the one thing I just want to mention about J.C. Jackson, of course, the Patriots have to tender him. You know, will it be a second-round tender, a first-round tender? and then oh, it'll team- be a first. Yeah, I'm thinking it's a first. So, you know, if you're a team, let's say the Jets, do you want to give up that first round pick and the money to bring Jackson in? That That's a little bit extra. So I think Jackson will be a Patriot. Yeah. It's just trying to figure out what works best for the organization. Uh, I see that, you know, you mentioned this in the rundown we have, and I think it's a good point. You know, when's the last time? that we went into a game and, you know, we got three weeks left to this season. There are three games left to this season. Yeah. Three. And already, and already it feels like this weekend's game is going to be an afterthought for a number of Patriots fans. You know, I don't know how many people care about this game. Uh, I guess the question is why should they care about the game? <laughs> it's a really good question. I mean, I, and mostly I put it on there cause it's, it's funny. Cause I see, you know, other writers on the beat, they're like, oh, Julian Edelman's back at practice. He's yeah. just, you know, they started the clock on Julian Edelman. And I'm like, so what? Like, what? Uh, like, what's the point? Like, well, so I, I want to jump in there for a second about Edelman, though, because yeah. here's my thought. Does it tell us about his future if he comes back Maybe. this year? Like, well, you know, I, I'm kind of looking at this and wondering, well, wait a minute. If if Edelman comes back for the final couple of games in a losing season, does that mean he's going to walk? Does that mean this is it? And he just want he knows his knee is bad. It's bone on bone. He got the surgery or whatever he got done going back several weeks ago. So he wants to go out playing and he's saying to himself, you know, I'm going to be 35. This knee is shredded just to go out there, you know, one or two more times, I could see it make sense then because Greg, if I'm the Patriots, I have absolutely zero reason to play Julian Edelman in these games. If he's coming back next year. Yeah. It's a look, Nick, it's a valid point by you. Um, you know, I, I, I think it's, it's, it's something that that will be one of the things that we're watching here down the stretch. I mean, you know, I understand Bill Belichick's mantra about, um, you know, trying to win every game. And I'm sure he wants to tie Landry for most winning seasons and, you know, all that stuff. But, you know, what is the, what, what would be the point of playing Julian Edelman in these, any of these last three games? I mean, I hope he's not out there on Sunday. You know, most of the time when these guys that they've started the clock, I don't, I don't know if any of them have returned for that immediate game. It's normally been like, get your feet wet. Yeah. uh, With practice. Then we'll see how it goes, rest over the weekend, then we'll tack it, and then you'll be back for the last two games or what have you. Uh, you know, barring some sort of, uh, you know, win in Miami and also a bunch of losses or something like that where they're not eliminated this weekend. Yeah, I just – I don't understand the point of playing Edelman. And I think I think you're right. I think it's smart to think, 
if he does come back for these last couple of games and who knows, maybe, you know, part of the thing with these contracts with, especially with the Patriots is a lot of money is tied into per game roster bonuses and things like that. So maybe he wants his, his money. And, uh, but yeah, if he comes back and plays in two games, when the Patriots are officially eliminated from the postseason, you have to think, is this, is he doing it just to sort of wave to the fans who won't be in the crowd uh, at the stadium, which will be now that I now that I said it out loud, that would be kind of a sad way for Julian Edelman's. Oh, it'd be awful. Uh, yeah, I'd, actually, that just bummed me out a little bit. Um, actually, saying that and, and imagining Julian Edelman playing his last game for the Patriots in a game where the, it doesn't matter uh, against the Jets in front of no one. Like, all right, now I've just decided, just talking about it, I don't want that to happen. So yeah. now, now, I, now I've all now all of a sudden I've changed to, I do not want to see him in any of these games. <laughs> I want him to get healthy. Yeah. I want him to come back for, refreshed. Go get a new knee in the off season. What have you? Come back next year when there will be f- fans in the stands. We hope. But yeah, I mean, I think your your read on this is exactly right, and it's it's actually bumming me out right now. Well, I'm sorry to <laughs> sorry to bum you out in a snowstorm as yeah. well. You know, before we get to, I do want to talk about Tua. I do want to talk about some of these things that we could see coming up on Sunday. Uh, we also have to get to the betonline.ag uh, little note from you as well. But I, I want to say this. You just mentioned about Edelman and playing his last game in front of nobody. I had this thought, and I haven't even talked about it yet this year, but I did have this thought earlier on when I saw Andrew Whitworth uh, get carted off. Like, I, I yeah. couldn't help but think about, like, man, what that guy meant to the game, what he meant to so many mm-hmm. teammates, he played forever. And if that's it for him, like, and I think we overlook that. Like, it, all these guys that will be playing their final games in week 17, these guys that got hurt and got carted off with season ending, maybe career ending injuries, no fans in the stands in, in most of these places. And that, that's got to be that, – that's even worse is, you know, you don't necessarily want the hero send-off, but imagine being carted off in a silent field. In like just, That, to me, is so eerie and so awful and so depressing. So, you know, I know some guys, they'll play their last games this year in Week 17 with no fans, and, you know, they'll just end up walking into the offseason retiring or being told that they're done. I hope Edelman is not one of those guys. I hope he has a shot to come back, even if he catches 40 footballs next year. Hopefully there's fans in the stands and he's out there playing and he has a a very well-deserved and earned send-off to his career. I, I don't want it to end that way. Before we get to Tua and all this other stuff. Nick, one thing on that. Yep. Um, I think you're totally you're totally right about that. And and especially, you know, not only for the player, but but also the fans and, you know, there's more of us, you know, there's a lot of people out there that have invested a lot of years and a lot of energy and a lot of jerseys um, and a lot of t-shirts to Julian Edelman. So, you know, I think that they, they as, you know, not as much as Julian, but um, certainly they're part of the process. But I do want to point out that while I don't think, I think your instincts are correct. And there is something sad about a, you know, quiet stadium. I will say, I do have to point out that a lot of these guys, you know, they might talk about the fans. They might wave to the fans. They might play to the fans. But really, at the end of the day, these guys are about their brothers on the football field. Yeah. And as long as as long as they're with their brothers and the guys that they go to battle with, and not to use a you know poor 
metaphor using you know war or whatever but the, the that's the mentality of these guys as long as they're with each other um going off the field and in the locker room even though that's even a little bit weird right now um that's all that really matters to them at the end of the day so i i, I don't think it's quite as dire but i do think you're right i mean guys like julian edelman and andrew whitworth absolute just legends in the game who have given everything to this game they deserve the proper send-off all right, before we get to some Tua talk and what we should expect from the Dolphins-Patriots game coming up this weekend, tell us about betonline.ag, Greg. Yeah, Nick, uh, NFL, let's see, what are we in? Weeks 15 now. 15. And a uh, bunch of 15, I know. And I can't believe there's only three games left in the season. Uh, all that action continues this week. You might not be out of the game. You might be sitting at home. None of your buddies are around. But you know what? You can still, you know, be a little bit competitive and get online and go to betonline.ag and get your wagers in. And they got all sorts of prop bets on the games, uh, you know, across the sports. You got NBA starting. You know, I'm sure Nick, after the other night watching the Celtics, I'm sure he just shoveled a bunch of money on the yeah, Celtics. Baby. The That's right. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you know about this, but Peyton Pritchard, MVP. Well, I don't know what oh. I don't know what the odds on on, on that are yet, but uh, come on, baby, or Jeff Teague. How about Jeff Teague? He was a machine off the bench the other night, Greg. Come on. I know those main red claws are going to be awesome this year. Oh, I mean, I can't wait to watch them. <laughs> so, no matter what happens with the schedule and COVID and whatever, we might get a week eighteen. Who knows? We, we'll see what happens down here in the stretch. Uh, you know that BetOnline.ag is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every game this season with the fastest updated odds in the industry. I was just looking. I was surprised by this. We'll talk about this later. But the Dolphins are only favored by one at home. Yeah. Over the, what yeah. am I missing? Am I missing something? But anyways. Like, yeah, we'll get into it a little bit. Yeah, there are always more options to wager than anywhere online at betonline.ag. So head over there, get all your bets in. They got special bonuses, offers, contests, all that stuff. It's a bunch of fun. Uh, if you're looking for some entertainment, uh, there are worse places you can go during this uh, during COVID than betonline.ag. Yeah, and listen, I if you play fantasy football, so you have some things going on aside from you know the reality of football, and you you like to put some schadol on something, and and you like paying attention to what's happening and all that stuff, and maybe you're out of the playoffs like I am in fantasy football because last week I lost by two points. I lost my matchup by two points. And I just want to uh, say that Devontae Parker was on my roster. And, of course, he got hurt in the first quarter of the game. Yep. And I also had Deontay Johnson on my roster as another wide receiver. Oof. And Mike Tomlin benched him for two and a half quarters. So uh, I probably would have moved on into my playoffs. But anyway, so if you're looking for some side action and you're out of your fantasy football playoffs, you can also check out betonline.ag. All right, let's get into the Dolphins now. We have to start with Tua. Greg, I watched him last week, and I see a number of – very good things from him. Uh, you, you know, the anti the anticipatory throws, he has great anticipation, he's accurate, and he's really smart. And, you know, football IQ is through the roof. When you see him, he's diagnosing what the defense is doing. And the first time around, you might surprise him. It's very difficult to surprise him the second or third time around. Very smart guy. Doesn't have the strongest arm in the world, but he can move around in the pocket a little bit. And he's got enough arm strength to get it downfield. Uh, but I mostly pay attention to his accuracy, uh, his anticipation, and his intelligence. I think that's what would separate Tua 
from some of the other younger quarterbacks that we've seen come into the league. And so it's fascinating, Greg, this matchup. I remember we talked about the Justin Herbert matchup. Belichick's record, his resume against rookie quarterbacks or even just young quarterbacks first time in. So we're going to have Tua, who is very football savvy and has a high football IQ, going against Bill Belichick, who, of course, has the mind against rookie quarterbacks. What do you make of Tua's game, and what do you think the Patriots will try to do on Sunday to rattle him? I look, Nick, I thought you did a great job with your scouting report. I thought, you know, I agreed on all those points, especially, you know, I think where he shows off to me is the football IQ. He, 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 he sometimes he will hang on to a play a little bit too long. I think that's probably a, a, a place where they've been working with him. He did that a couple of times against Kansas city, uh, you know, but largely he has a feel for what's going on. Uh, he knows how to get rid of the ball. Um, I think Chan Gailey's done a really nice job with him. Um, sort of slowly bringing him along. And, you know, yes, everybody's going to talk about Bill Belichick and his record against rookie quarterbacks. You know, but one thing you have to keep in mind is, you know, this is this is a rookie quarterback with Brian Flores, you know, next to him. Who's, so right. I assume Brian all week is showing him old Patriots film and say, look, this is what they're going to do to you. This is exact. This is what we would do to everybody. These are going to be the calls. Whatever you see, don't trust your eyes before the snap. There's always going to be somebody dropping. There's going to be they're going to be doing this. So I think that's going to be a huge asset for them. I think that um, Ted Karras at center is going to be a huge asset for them because he knows how the Patriots, you know, like to pressure because he's been here for so long. Even though the Patriots know his weaknesses, Ted Teddy's a pretty good pass protector. He struggles more in the run game, but I do think you'll see the Patriots try to try to get him to move his feet side to side. He's a little bit slow. So I think, you know, targeting him with some TE uh, stunts inside and things like that uh, might generate some pressure. But, yeah, I think I think that two is pretty good. We'll have to see if guys like Devontae Parker and Gesicki, who, who, you know, were beat up in the last game, you know, whether they'll be able to play because you're talent, talking about some really talented guys there. I mean, yeah. I, I yeah. can't believe how far Gesicki, the tight end, has come um, and I know Belichick basically called him a big wide receiver this week, which I think is accurate, but he, he's damn good at what he does in the mashup issue. Yeah. And the, the one question, and, you know, we'll get into our picks in a little bit before we get to this Nikhil Harry thing you want to talk about. And of course, we still have the member question of the day on this pod. But, you know, the weapons, right, for Miami. We, we talk about the weapons uh, about the Patriots all the time. But when you look at the weapons of Miami, I, I think last week I saw something that Tua was down at one point in that game. He was down his top six receivers. So including wow. tight end, including tight end. So if, you know, if, if Grant is out, if Parker is out, if they're just, you know, 60 percent, if, you know, Gasicki is out. Miles Gaskin was on the COVID list this last weekend. That's their guy who they've been running the football with. Uh, what is it? Ahmed Salvan or Salvan Ahmed. I forget which way it goes his name, but he's the other running back on the roster. He's been dinged up. So this is a team. If they're banged up, I don't know what they can do offensively. I mean, I, I like Tua a lot, but the one thing that jumped out at me watching that Kansas city game, and maybe it's just because Kansas city is so full of explosiveness and speed but the one thing that jumped out at me watching the Dolphins offense, it's not dynamic. Like they, they don't have yeah. explosion. And Devontae Parker could be that guy at times, but he's been banged up. 
Uh, he's got a hammy, so I don't know if he's going to play. But th- they lack, if there's one thing they need to add immediately to that Miami offense to help Tua, is somebody who can be dynamic. You know, wh- one of those guys who just, you know, jumps through the screen when you watch him uh, because of his skill set. You know, Justin Jefferson, uh, DK Metcalf, y- you know, Tyreek Hill, one of the, even a Henry Rugg, one of those guys. Uh, that That's the one thing I will say. Like, Miami they're not going to hit you with six or seven explosive plays in a game. So they're they're Mm -hmm. more going to, it's like a death by a paper cut situation when, when you're, when you're watching them. So I think that's one of the reasons why Vegas might be a little tight with this game. They might be looking at two offenses that just, you know, they're not explosive. It it might be a fist fight and a phone booth kind of game on Sunday. Uh, But before we get to our picks and the question of the week or the day, uh, Nikhil Harry, I know you said on a, on the rundown you haven't touched this with a ten foot pole uh, for a reason. The Nikhil Harry story I'm talking about, of course, is his trainer coming out yesterday saying you know you know putting a lot of blame on Cam. Anything on that story you want to mention right now, Greg? Uh, I just not really. I mean, I yes. I mean, I thought we should talk about it because it is a hot button topic i mean look um i i even forget what the guy's name is uh it is uh hang on the trainer is rashad whitfield yeah foot king footwork king whatever his name is on twitter so henry caught up to him and he quoted him as as saying uh we've got a new quarterback we've got to put some of that expletive on cam cam hasn't been the most accurate this year like if Nikhil had tom brady tom brady would have fed him but we're back mm-hmm. there with cam and cam's getting acclimated to the offense too <laughs> uh Whitfield added it's a big deal coming from tom tom brady to cam newton that's one of cam newton's biggest issues uh, is mechanics so this was written by henry mckenna from patriots wire um whitfield after that came out and said he didn't say those quotes um look i, I i'm not gonna I'm not going to say which way or the other I I fall on this. I mean, even though, you know, look, I know Henry. I don't know him that well. I don't know his work that well, um, mostly just because people probably don't understand this about me. But I really try to not read other writers on the beat, um, certainly on a daily basis, because I don't like getting other people's thoughts into my mind. I don't want to be you know, called unoriginal. So I, there's only a few writers that I, that I seek out to, to read. Not that that means he's not doing good work. Um, Henry's been doing it a long time and he's a good reporter. Uh, I would be surprised if he just made up comments um, yeah. that would shock me. Um, but look, that's for them to hash out. Um, you know, if, yeah, I mean, I don't know many reporters who just make up quotes out of whole cloth. Because- <laughs> like Henry, Henry woke up one morning and said, Oh, I think I've come up with something here. Like I, I find yeah. that hard to believe. Yeah. But I mean, the, the more general statement that I wanted to make about this is like, this is why I don't talk to these type of guys in general. Like I know the the easiest thing in the world is for a reporter to, to talk to whoever's training said player in the off season and get the person to say how great they are and how much they've improved. I mean, Look, you're talking to a guy who he gets paid by the player. He gets he, the better the player does, the better for his reputation. The more he, money he earns, the more clients he gets. So you're just talking. You're talking. I try not to talk about two compromised sources, even if they're on the record. 
you know, who aren't being objective, who you know you're, they're not being objective. And so yeah. I don't talk to these guys in the offseason to artificially pump up players, even though fans dig, you know, they eat up that stuff in the offseason like it's like it's water in a desert. But I, I just don't do it because I don't think there's any, there's no substance to it. You don't know if it's true. No one knows if it's true. You're going off of the word of a guy who's getting paid by the player. And then, you know, to talk to him now, look, he's not going to be objective. He's not going to say Nikhil Harry sucks and he's <laughs> the reason for it. And it's not Cam because why? Right. Because Nikhil's paying him. So I don't care about this guy's opinion in the offseason. I don't care about it now. So that's all I really wanted to say was, I just don't never trust these guys who are getting paid by athletes. Just don't listen to anything that they say. That's just my opinion. I don't know how you feel about it. Yeah. I've got two things on this. Number one, I agree with you as far as who's talking. There's absolutely zero reason why I don't remember his name. You know, the trainer in this case, um, captain footwork. I don't know what the hell his nickname is. <laughs> uh, there's, there's no reason. There's no reason in the world where that guy's going to come out and, throw Nikhil Harry under the bus because if he throws Harry under the bus, he's throwing himself under the bus because Correct. he just trained Nikhil Harry. So if he comes out and says, oh, Harry's not running good routes, that means you didn't <laughs> know how to run good routes. Um, secondly, secondly, as far as like, you know, the quarterback game we're going to play, uh, Captain Footwork, here's the problem. Tom Brady was the quarterback last year and Nikhil Harry wasn't very good last year. So Correct. You know, to say, oh, Brady's not the quarterback, and if Brady was the quarterback, we saw that last year, Chuchi. So I, I just, you know, I, it, it is what it is. Uh, let's get to the BostonSportsJournal.com uh, member question of the day. Uh, check them out over at BSJ, 11 cents a day on their annual plan. Not only do you get top-notch analysis of all the Boston pro sports, but if you're a Patriots junkie, then a membership at BSJ gives you access to a ton of video analysis Bedard does on the coach's film and direct access to him in weekly chats. Uh, Cano 58, Greg, will Bill pay Guy? He is needed. It's a great question, Cano. Um, I don't know. And, and you know, I, I sent out the list of the, basically the top Patriots free agents and James White's on that list. And, there you know, there are a bunch of guys on that list. And I basically said, like, all right, who – who do you think is the market's going to be active for? And and the the only guy that he named, um, outside of you know Tooney, um, was Guy. But he I, but he cautioned that he said I don't know, I don't know how big of his market's going to be just with the cap situation around the league. And I think yeah. you know we get into this with David Andrews and other guys. So, um, you know Lawrence Guy strikes me as a guy who he's not drinking the Patriots Kool-Aid, but I just think he's really comfortable and he realizes, I think that, he, you know, Belichick certainly values what he does for this team. I think he likes his role. I think he likes his teammates. He's a guy that I could see maybe takes a little bit less um, to, to stay here and maybe doesn't really care about every last dollar. So um, you're hoping that Lawrence guy, because look, if they don't have him and I'm a believer in you build, uh, NFL defense up the middle, um, you know, with defensive tackle, with middle linebacker, with free safety. Like you start there and then then you go number one cornerback and, and that sort of thing. If they don't have Lawrence Guy in the middle, like <laughs> I don't know what they're going to do. I mean, they got yeah. to pay somebody to be the guy in the middle, and he's been extremely durable. He's a great leader. He's a great guy. Um, 
the Patriots should find a way to pay him. Hopefully both sides are smart and he's here for a long time. I think he's been tremendous. And what I was thinking of when I saw this question is not whether or not he's going to be here and all that good stuff. I was actually just thinking about the guys who have actually played well this year that are not going to get their just due because everybody's angry about how mediocre this team has been. Like we, what we can't do and what I will not do personally, individually, whether it's on this pod or it's on EEI when I work there, what I will not do is dump on just everybody and say everything's awful and everything's a loss because that's, that's not fair to the guys who are playing good football. And Lawrence Guy has been tremendous this year. And when you think about the circumstances, you know, he's been banged up and he's got, you know, he's gone into games with absolutely zero help. Dude's coming off the practice squad that we've never heard of. And he still continues to play and he still continues to produce. I, I cannot say enough good things about Lawrence Guy. I think he's been great this year and do not make another mistake like you made with Akeem Hicks. Don't let him walk out that door. You had Hicks, who ended up being one of the best DTs in the league, and you let him go in Chicago, you know, got him for almost nothing. That's one of the major mistakes Belichick's made in his tenure is letting Hicks walk walk away. That was atrocious. Don't make the same mistake with Lawrence Guy. He's been there, he's been dependable, and he's played really well, and he's he's going to give you effort every single snap. Love the guy. No pun intended. Uh, let's get to the pick'em. The uh, betonline.ag uh, line for you with the uh, Dolphins game. Miami minus one. The over under is 41 and a half. Greg, how you feeling? Yeah. So with this line, I mean, you basically got to pick the winner. Um, and I just, the, the points you brought up about who's going to be playing with Tua, who's going to be available. That's huge. And really we don't know right now it's Thursday, 1120. I got a foot of snow outside. I have to go out. I have to go out and, <laughs> go out and snow blow. Yes, yes. Yeah, if I've, I've done phase one. I've got phase two to look forward <laughs> to after this. So, like, I don't know what the hell is going on. Um, but uh, I just think I think the Dolphins, the, the Dolphins need it more. Obviously, I think they're going to want it more. Uh, I, I just think. I think they're going to figure out a way. They're a much different team than we saw in week one. I mean, way different. And I think, Nick, I think there could be some checkout factor with the Patriots um, oh. come Sunday. I mean, I think a lot of these wow. guys know what the score is. I don't think Cam's going to be any better this week. Um, you know, maybe they run the ball decently. Um, but Kyle Van Noy and Alandon Roberts were uh, – we're on the COVID list last week. So they got, they have fresh legs this week. That's not a good thing for the Patriots. So I like the dolphins. I'm going to go uh, 2017 with the dolphins. Okay. I'm going to go Patriots and I am going to go the under. I think the under is the best bet in this game. You know, I just, I have a tough time seeing this game, you know, get above 35 points combined. I think you're looking at like a 17, 13, uh, you know, I'm actually going to go with the Patriots, and I'll tell you why. I just think it's going to come down to who takes care of the football better, and I could see Tua make a mistake. You know, and I love Tua, but I could see him make a mistake in this game, and that one mistake could be the difference in losing by three instead of, you know, winning by three. I'm going to go with the Patriots. I'm not confident. I'm not confident in any Patriots pick. Well, I wasn't the Chargers one. 
a couple of weeks ago. But I, I'm not, and I got the Rams one right. Okay, so I guess I am confident in a couple of them this year. But uh, I'm not confident in this one this week. But I am going to go with the Patriots just because, again, rookie quarterback on the other side. I like my chances with Belichick to, to do some things, even with Flores' history, to bring a wrinkle or two. I don't think there's going to be a lot of points scored unless you talk about turnovers or special teams. And I, I think the Patriots win a fist fight in a phone booth. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast, to rate this podcast, to review this podcast. I like to say it's the Greg Badad pod. Huh? Do you like that? The Greg Badad yeah, pod. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> it's a great pad. The Badad pad. Uh, the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles, episode 31. This puppy's in the books. We'll talk to you early next week to recap the Miami-New England game and anything else that comes up. Maybe Nikhil Harry's trainer will have something else to say. Until then, be good, be maybe safe. His mom. Be and, or maybe his mom. Uh, take care of the snow out there as well. Be good, everybody. We'll talk to you then. <laughs>